Well, good morning. Breakfast with the Broker every Tuesday. I can't wait to announce my next guest. Boys and girls around the world, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. Let's get ready to broker. By way of Coral Springs, Florida, she's a global luxury specialist at Coal Baker Servicing Dubai, Canada, North Carolina, Georgia, and of course, South Florida. She is a past winner of the Educator of the Year for Florida Realtors, a huge prestigious accomplishment. She graduated from Tuskegee University. Go Golden Tigers! And Southern New Hampshire University. Go Penman! She's a two-time Breakfast with a Broker interviewee. Her hometown is Miami. She is a National Association of Realtors implicit bias trainer. Stand up and make some noise for the one and only Deborah Batu. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It is so good to be back. Yes, thank you. And we have an actual special guest. We just threw her right into the fire. My new marketing coordinator, Katie Booter. Hello, everybody. So welcome. Listen, um, you know, (laughs) as we get into it, right, uh, National Association of Realtors has been in the news a little bit here and there. Really? If anyone's listened or read anything, um, tell us about, like, what your causes are, right? Because, I mean, we look at, um, you know, and the first time I've met you, obviously, through the Realtors Association, but um, as I've gotten to understand you and taken some of your classes, you know, regarding DEI and regarding implicit bias, you know, sometimes we think that we're not being um, prejudiced or we're, um, or we're having um, – you know, conversations that um, could actually be received uh, not the way we intended it. So talk a little bit about that. So from the perspective of real estate, it's always important to know that the way we perceive may not be the actual life, right? And so it's important for us to always be engaged with their customer, with their client, to always have training. When it comes to talking to them about certain issues, we have to make sure that we're not crossing the line, that we're not steering them in a particular direction, that we're not having conversation that may be insulting. And for many, that wasn't their intention. Unfortunately, the law does not care about our intention. And so it's important to make sure that we're sensitive to others, that we're aware of what we're saying and what we're not saying, and we're treating them in an, a fair manner to all. That we're, you know, however we're speaking to one, we're doing the same. I say that because it's important to make sure, I like to say, make the burger the same way every time, right? So if we have consistent practices, then we won't it's very unlikely that then we'll get fall into those traps because now I'm treating one person one way and then, oh, I forgot, I'm treating another, I'm asking one this question, but I didn't ask it to another. So that sort of helps us when we have a, a, a way of doing business, our business practices. So like, you know, like I don't like anyone. So as long as I don't like anyone, uh, we're good, right? <laughs> we're good. We're good. As long as you're treating us all the same, right? Oh, perfect. You're, you're not giving any of us, you know, any special treatment. No, absolutely not. Um, so how did you get in, involved in this? And, uh, you know, and, you know, I understand that, you know, because people don't realize what they do on a daily basis, how it affects others. And so when you walk, you know, when you're dealing with customers and clients and in the real estate world or even the consumer world, obviously, uh, you know, you're, you're saying things that you've been, lear- you know, you're a product of your own environment. So it's 
obviously natural. You've always had these like little scripts of like, how are you doing? Oh, how are you doing? What's up? Whatever those might be. And so you've always, you don't know any better. So a lot of this is based on ignorance, not necessarily like, as you said, intentional. Exactly. And what's important to make sure that we're, we're going piggybacking on what I just said, that treating everyone the same, but make sure that we doing that professionally and asking a person permission. So sometimes there's this thing that goes around that says, um, you know, you can apologize later. No, you can't apologize later, right? You ask permission. How would you like for me to address you? What are your concerns? So implicit biases, we all have biases. I mean, it's just our, our normal way of life. The concern is us acting upon those biases. And so we want to make sure that we're not acting that because we were raised a certain way, whether it's the South, the country, or wherever that is, that, oh, I, I was hurt, I was told, you know, everybody that does this or wherever they're from or their background or because they have an accent, so they must be this. So that's where the problem is. And that's where we have to then, not just education, because certain things you can't educate away. You can't teach everything away. It becomes more about engaging with other people, you know, getting to meet them, finding out what their likes, their dislikes are, and how they like to be addressed. I recall teaching a class, and there were certain terms that was also in the curriculum, just automatically in the curriculum. And so one of the students says um, it was Latinx. And he says, we don't like that term, you know. And, um, you know, we had some conversation. And see, that's what it's about, having conversation we can't just assume something is happening or that it's appropriate for everyone. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think for so many years we've shied away from, you know, racism or, you know, now we, we you know, we, we call it, you know, you know, DEI or, or whatever you want to call it. But we've all not had that conversation. And because we haven't had honest conversations from, you know, you know, many, many years, we have many, many years of implicit bias. Right, right. And that's the concern is that we're getting our knowledge or education from textbooks. There's certain things that we can learn in the classroom, right? But a lot of it needs to take place in getting to know your neighbor, getting to know your coworker. You know, if you're having an event, oftentimes inviting someone other than who your typical circle is, right? So we can get to know others. And that's really, I believe, where the the, the change and the flip will come with just beginning to having conversation. And then once we get to the point of being comfortable with disclosing what that looks like from, from every point of view and say, you know what, oh, I didn't know that about you or I didn't know that about your culture or anything like that. I, I think uh, you hit the nail on the head with, you know, being comfortable because I think, you know, it's an awkward conversation, right? Um, when a white person and a black person gets together and they ask about, uh, implicit bias or discrimination or prejudice, it's an uncomfortable, awkward um, situation. And until we get to a point where we are comfortable with one another to ask the right questions, and, and we, you know, we ask questions not with the intent to reply, but we ask questions with the intent to understand what, other pers- what the other person is saying and wh- how they're receiving what I'm saying, right? Right, and- to, hear, to hear them and to hear their heart. 
Yep. You know, that's important to hear them and to not put defenses up and say, okay, you know, because a lot of times, as you just said, it's to put defenses up. It's to, well, let me tell you why I'm doing this, or this is what I heard, or this is my grandparents, so forth, versus, okay, let me hear your heart, let me hear your impact. So it's it's pretty much like a counseling session. You can't jump into the deep end. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to work our way there. We have to learn to trust, to communicate, and to be open. And eventually, I believe we will get there. Yeah, we need more empathy in society, yes. definitely. Yes. What's up, Katie? I'm taking it all in. I'm like over here, like, <laughs> yep, like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so tell us on a consumer level, right? You know, when, you know, I mean, you're 24? 24. Uh, I'm not supposed to ever ask an age of uh, a Oh, good. Adult, but, it's, it's that um, age you could still <laughs> But... Tell us about like what you think of real estate, right? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. you've got, you know, um, obviously interviewed for the position we, we, we hired and um, you're going through your, you know, real estate marketing career, mm -hmm. what, what may, you know, whatever. Um, but tell us from a consumer point of view, how does real estate look for, what is, what is like your perception of the real estate market now? I would say, I mean, just real estate as a whole, it's shifting so much. I mean, the obvious, the elephant in the room is COVID. Everything hit. We hit a massive peak, and then now we're hitting a massive downfall, maybe a plateau. We don't really know what's going to happen. It's kind of, in a sense, I'm at an age where now we're starting to look at these things. We're starting to look at, okay, we want to own a home one day. What does it take to own a home? How do we even get to a part of looking at homes to own? You know, we're almost in a sense where it's like, could we even afford a home, realistically? Mm -hmm. I'm on the inside out looking at it as someone, you know, older, and I'm like, how did they get to where they are? And it's almost like a big question mark because we really don't, there is no guide. It's almost like you're in the real estate world and you know about it or you don't. And there's no true guide of like, you don't go to school, you don't take courses to teach you how to own a home, how to manage finances. I mean, this is kind of something they throw you in the deep end when you graduate and they're like, okay, figure it out. You're so, adulting now. Yeah. <laughs> the adulting world is, yep. is hitting for sure. No. And it's, um, it's interesting because, you know, I look at, you know, my, I have three daughters, my oldest one is 18 and she's uh, at FSU and she, you know, she's starting to learn a little bit of the adulting, but she still thinks, so I think we even talked about girl math a little bit today. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's funny because it's like she's starting her career and, and thinking about things, and she also doesn't understand, you know, what the intricacies, like we don't, we you know, we try and understand things, but we obviously need to rely on people and, and be in that room surrounded by, an, you know, the people that you need to be in that are more successful than you, right? Right. Um, so what are you doing about that? I think uh, how are you going to own a home? I think for me, I mean, I obviously am now hired. I'm, I'm <laughs> in the real estate world. I got my foot in the door. I think the biggest thing is getting the foot in the door, being a sponge, basically, just taking in everything that I can, you know, listening to the conversations, hearing okay, how is this shifting right now? Where am I at financially? How how do I need to get to a point to where I can even get to look at homes and say, you know what, I want to own a home or I want to own a condo down the road. Maybe I want to rent out this condo and then own another home. These are conversations that I don't know how to do, but because I'm now in the room with people who do, that's the first step. Love it. Love it. Is homeownership important to you? 
Very much so. Awesome. Very because, you know, you hear from a lot of the, you know, whatever, you, what are they, Gen Z's? What, right? Gen Z's. Wait, what alphabet we're on now, Gen's, right? Yeah, my, I think... <laughs> Don't be I, a hater. I'm, I'm, like, wait. I'm like, wait, I'm Gen X. So, all right, it's not Y. Uh, Z. We're on Z. <laughs> we're, we're going what to double A. Next? We're going to what Gen double next? A's next. <laughs> you know, like we're the okay. theater has the rows. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I hear from a lot of Gen Z's that renting is fine. Rent, I'm, I'm okay with renting. And, and, and there's a big push for it. But rents are somewhat unaffordable now. Um, they've gotten, you know, crazy with. You know, and people look at, you know, landlords being greedy or whatever. That's not really the case. The landlord's carrying costs have gone crazy. Property insurance rates have gone way up. Interest rates, obviously, if they had an adjustable, are going way up. You know, association dues or condo dues are going way up. You know, the cost of living, cost of maintenance, getting people their plumbers, you know, all of that, tradesmen, you know, are, are more expensive. So there's certainly, you know, a reason why, you know, prices and rent, rental prices have gone up. It's interesting to hear that homeownership is important to you. And I love that because it was always important to me. And, and, and I was, I was always told that the only way to, if you want generational wealth, the only way to have generational wealth is to own real estate. And, um, you know, you could go through the stock market, which is cyclical real estate market cyclical too. But there's never been a 10-year stretch in South Florida's history that hasn't um, appreciated over that 10 years from, you know, year one to year 10. So, I mean, you're talking that that's a significant, uh, you know, uh, sample of, of data. Yes. Deborah, how's the market? <laughs> the market the market has over the last couple of uh, months or so there's been an a it's still kind of steady when it, we're talking about the seller's market and so it's still a seller's market the homes are being on the market um just under about 30 days or so and of course it depends upon the area boca del rey or so forth they are also uh, selling at a higher price point still uh, for them, they're going under contract, as I said, a shorter amount of time, sometimes within 20 to um, less than 30 days. Yeah. And so that's definitely an advantage um, when individuals ask or customers, you know, you're out and about and they're saying, well, how's the market? You know, uh, my first response is, well, it depends what side of the table you're on. Sure. You know, are you a seller or are you a buyer that determines how good the market is or if it's going to benefit you? Yeah. You know, I consider the market right now an opportunistic market. And that, that opportunistic market is because buyers, you know, have been clamoring for years. They want more options, right? Yeah, inventory has increased now. It hasn't increased exponentially, but it's increased. And so you have more options, which is great. Seller, still selling, you know, under 60 days, you know, um, in most cases under 30, especially if it's priced right. And why... So price entry point, and getting into that, price entry point is probably, I think, no other time that I can remember, and been in the real estate business since 1998, that price entry point is so important. And who determines the price entry point? The seller, you know, really does. But who guides them? A realtor. So make sure you use a professional realtor to actually guide you through this process. This is not a process or a market where especially as challenging and the obstacles that are in front of you, it, it, it's, it's, you know, near impossible to navigate this market without a very good and knowledgeable realtor. 
you know, when we look at, you know, the, the market itself as like a balanced market and, you know, an increased market and stuff, and I think I've said this before, but you have, you know, a seller's market, and I hate the label seller's market, but whatever, seller's market, um, you know, basically, you know, six months and over is essentially a seller's market of inventory. And what that means is that if, if at the same rate of the sales now, and there were no new listings that came on, the market would absorb all those listings within the six months or over. And that's considered a buyer's market. And five to five and a half is a balanced market. Five or under is a seller's market. Well, we're at 2.9 months of inventory in single-family homes in Palm Beach County. We're at 4.4 months of inventory in condos. Um, To compare this to the quote-unquote mortgage crisis, 14 and a half months of inventory. So we're not crashing. <laughs> like, I mean, and something catastrophic may happen, and, and, and maybe that'll, that'll, that'll change somewhat. But you would have to go, you know, almost, you know, three and a half times, you know, in some cases almost just five times the amount of inventory um, currently on the market. That's crazy. So um, talk to me about what, um, what got you into real estate and tell me a little bit about your story. Well, what started me with real estate was I always wanted to be in real estate as far as own my own home. You know, my family always owned a home, always had the kind of backyard, you know, scenario. And then as an adult, then it was like, oh, you know, I want to live the easy free life. But after a while, you start seeing, you know, how does that really look financially? Right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, let me change this this concept here. And so my first home purchase was really out of a passion for my son. My son wanted his own home, wanted a dog, wanted to play football in the backyard. So that was the the realistic as to why we purchased our first home. And then from there, it became, okay, let's look at investment opportunities, right? Because then you can then see what that, you know, balancing out your financial balancing, diversifying your portfolio, as you mentioned earlier, not just stocks and bonds, and then not just your your W-2, your regular job, and then a business on the side, but also real estate. And then for me, it became, to also working with others. I have a passion for people. I have a passion for them seeing what their next steps would be. And when I'm working with my buyer in particular, it's not that this doesn't have to be your forever home. Think of this as just the first step. You may end up, you know, in, uh, this may be one of your first investment properties after you live in the property, and then you move on. So I use it as a teaching point for my customers as well, especially with the market, the way that it is. Sometimes customers come to you and they're approved for one price point, and they're thinking about the the five, six, or, you know, the six-bedroom with the five, you know, in the pool, and it's like, okay, let's maybe, maybe we have to water it down a bit, you know, right. until you get there as the interest rates change and the time change. So for me, it was all about just passion, working with others and seeing that, okay, excitement. Because for some, they're still in 2023, still some of the first home buyers in their family. Absolutely. Needing a strategy and a plan. You know, uh, when you're looking at, I don't know, we all have goals for where we work, right? We all have goals for, you know, well, I have a goal for weight loss or, or whatnot, or working out or reading books or absorbing podcasts, you know, um, audio books and all those kind of things, right? But do we have an investment strategy, something where when, when you talked about managing finances, you know, most of us are really terrible at it. 
you know, we, you know, um, you know, I equate it to the girl math was, uh, okay. you know, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think we need to get back to understanding that money matters and that it's not worthless. And I think that too often we don't look at the value of money. Um, and me certainly included, um, and we need to get back to that and have an investment tra- strategy, someone like yourself, a- an advocate, a resource, a guide. And that's what realtors do. They build communities. Um, they, they guide you. This, this, you know, listen, not all realtors are created equal, right? We have 1.5 million plus realtors in the National Association of Realtors. 52% don't do a single transaction in a year. 66% do three or less. So 34% of the 1.5 plus million uh, realtors, like, they do four or more. That's crazy, right? So, you know, find someone who's within the, you know, five or 10%, uh, not the friend's friend of the friend of the mom of the nephews, nieces, whatever. Find someone that you are comfortable with and that is knowledgeable. And um, that I can't stress, you know, know, and have the connections and, and have the leverage because if you're going to be paying... And you're going to be trusting, you know, the most valuable asset in your uh, in your life, you know, you better make sure that that person, you know, um, takes it and and, and holds it with uh, great regard. Right. Understands the market, understands the area, understands negotiation, you know, transaction. Uh, There are a number of things because every transaction is different. Every association and dealing with another agent is different. So that definitely matters. What's girl math, Katie? Girl math is, (laughs) (laughs) for example, like I gave you earlier, if I have cash and I pay for it in cash, it is free. (laughs) If I'm not swiping my card, it's not real money. So that is essentially all in all what girl math is. And girls have this philosophy that certain things are free, certain things are waved under the table. And then there's real money. When you have to swipe a card or you have to pay a credit card bill, that is real money. See? I learned something. Yeah. Hey, see? <laughs> we can learn from our, uh, our youngest. Generation yeah. Z. Alphabet Z. Yeah, yes. Maybe skip that one in your financial <laughs> budgeting plan. Yeah, that's probably not good. <laughs> Hasn't got me very far. Well, you know, when you're, when you're taught, right, you know, financial, right, like we were always taught, like, pay everything in cash. You pay everything in cash. You you don't bring on debt and, and whatnot. And well, we learned from our government very well and very um, v- very good is that uh, you know what we could just mortgage everything. We'll just take on any debt. We'll take trillions and trillions. Like who knew what a trillion is? Like that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> Do you know if I put a trillion dollars in hundred dollar bills in this, it would fill up like ten of these. Like 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 from top to bottom. Like. like like, you can't even fathom mm-hmm. a trillion, like, visually, right? Yeah. And, and we talk about it, like, nonchalantly, like a billion, a trillion, or whatever. And I, you know, it, it just boggles my mind, right? Now we're at, like, 30 trillion yeah. deficit or whatever the number is, craziest. You know, so government's supposed to be our role models. Obviously, <laughs> they missed the boat on that for many, many decades, unfortunately. Um, and... You know, we just continue to kick the can down the road. 
Right. And, and you know, and when you kick the can down the road, eventually you got to pay. Eventually you got to pay, right? And, and and this is the perfect example, and I, and I know I'm long-winded, but perfect example of kicking the can down the road. South Florida has a condos, great big, huge condos, right? They passed, I don't know, 20 years ago or so, that if you were a condo association and its residents decided that they didn't want to have reserves for any structural or any anything, that they could, as long as they had a certain, I think it was 66% of the residents could approve that they don't want reserves, right? So they didn't have reserves. Surfside happened. Tragedy. Absolute tragedy. No reserves. No reserves. They didn't they couldn't pay for the structural repairs to do. In a million years, no one thought that the building like that could collapse like that. But they were warned. Board members would just basically sweep it under the rug, you know, kick the can down the road. And now what are we doing? We're having to pay the piper. And, and we're looking at instead of five or $600 a month, which is a lot of money for a condo association, right? Now it's $1,500, 2000 a month. Like, it's crazy. Like, it's un, you think it's unaffordable to have a single-family home or unaffordable to be in renting. It's unaffordable to have a condo right now because it's so expensive. And that's the perfect example I can give to kicking the can down the road and absorbing debt. <laughs> and that's absolutely. what it does. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, more and more buyers and sellers are being faced with that. Even sellers, as you said, you know, being faced with what does that look like if I try to sell this property and the assessments that are associated with it, general assessments as well as special assessments. And buyers, hmm, I would love to live in a condo off Ocean Drive facing the water, but what is that going to cost me? Sure. What, um... Anything else you want to share before we get to our last two questions? Oh, I'm having a fantastic time, and I learned what girl math, girl math is. <laughs> and I have to consider, am I part of the girl math? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah. But I also like to talk about maybe, um, maybe if not this time, next time, the SWOT analysis, because as we well, get no, towards would our— be great quarter of the year, right? We're in the last quarter and everyone starts thinking about 2024 and, you know, where am I business wise? Where am I this year? I still have a, you know, we still have a couple of months to kind of finish out those goals that we did several months ago, nine months ago. I'm still but working on my New Year's resolution. You still, for 2023 <laughs> or 24? Probably 2020. 20, <laughs> well, you still have time. Still awesome. have time. So we have opportunities to kind of look at where, where we, what we planned in 2023 and then for 24, looking at our strengths and um, our weaknesses. Those are internal. So it always starts internal, and that can be with the brokerage. That can also be with the team. Many of us are on teams, and we have to look at even for in a um, an associate to decide if I'm going to be on a team or not. You know, what are this? What are the advantages of being on a team, or the disadvantages on both? Whether working alone solely, or working with a team, and then what are those opportunities and strengths? So that's definitely some goal setting there. Love it. Um, you ever read Discover Your Strengths? I have no, I haven't read so, that. So it's a. Um, I've read Strength Finders. 
Yes. Well, I think it's on the same series. It might be. I, I'm not. I'm not positive. Uh, but it, it talks about like you know, master your strengths and don't worry about your weaknesses. And too often, many people try and make their weaknesses a strength, and it's not possible. It's not possible. You, know, you it's get not it, you possible. get it to maybe average or below average. That's all you're ever going to get, and you're going to spend ten thousand hours doing it. But you spend ten thousand hours on mastering your strengths. You know, now all of a sudden you you have mastered something. So. Right. And as you mentioned with the, the marketing, that's important. You know, mm-hmm. what's going to distinguish me from one agent or one brokerage to another is identifying my strengths. And too often we really don't know what our strengths are. Right. And we don't know what our weaknesses are. OK, so I'm not good at this, but let me tell you, I'm fantastic at this. Right. Ooh, even the thunder. I know. Right? Like, that, that, was that, was that was great. That was confirmation. Like, that was on cue. It was. <laughs> Like I always say that I have this great uh, self uh, image, right? I look in the mirror, I look, and I say, "Wow, I'm the sexiest man alive." Amen. You know, not everyone sees that. <laughs> see, see, and then on top of that, we look at the opportunities, and particularly in this market, what are the opportunities for yourself as a as an agent? a team or brokerage, right? We know that there are a lot of new brokerages coming about, everything from online, and the list goes on. But what is an opportunity growth? And sometimes that's in technology. Um, there are a lot of agents that some still in 2023 didn't get that technology bug yet, right? And and social media and, and online. So there are a lot of opportunities there. And then, of course, we always look at the threat to our business. Real estate is impacted by many different dynamics in our economy, uh, everything from unemployment to um, the interest rate to what's going on in that particular area. So it's important to do that. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. All right, I got two questions. You ready? Okay. All right, my last two questions always are, what is your favorite all-time streaming series or movie, and what are you currently watching? Okay, all-time favorite Money Heist. Oh, I love Money Heist. Oh, my goodness, Money Uh, Heist. I love Money Heist. Are you a heist movie gal? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All the oceans are too much information. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. And what I'm currently watching is I'm watching Girlfriends with um, um, Tracy Ellis Ross. So this was a series she did back in probably the 90s or so. And it's just a a girlfriend movie. What what, uh, what, um, channel or what streaming? uh, I think, no. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Netflix, okay. Yeah. What about you? You know. You you watch streaming stuff? I do. I'm a big, big show gal. Movie gal. Oh, okay. Time to time. I think favorite movie of all time. I don't think I can put like a pin on it, to be honest. How about a show? Show. Favorite show of all time, Sopranos. Oh, really? Mm, That's awesome. Sopranos gal. Oh, very cool. Money high, Sopranos. I know. Yeah, we got problems. Yeah, you're in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I should run. (laughs) What, uh, What are you currently watching? Um, actually I can say what I'm currently reading. I'm not really watching okay. much these days. Reading's good. So, I mean, I've read the four agreements a million times over and over. So I'm now back to reading it in the morning. I try and read like a chapter a day, kind of make note on it. Um, also Atomic Habits, obviously a great yeah. one. Love it. Um, and then the, uh, Supernatural. Awesome. Coming Supernatural. So I'm very cool I'm on that wavelength right now. Well, 
I thank you very much for both of you, uh, a first-timer and a two-timer. And uh, we certainly appreciate it. Breakfast with the Broker every Tuesday morning. 